Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome into the Cap City Sportscast. My name is Callahan Steed. I cover the Monona Gold, Soviet Eagles, the McFarland Spartans, the Cambridge Blue Jays, and the Deerfield Demons. My name is Peter Limblad. I cover the Wanakee Warriors, DeForest Norskis, uh, Poinette Pumas, and Lodi Blue Devils. I'm Ryan Gregory. I have the Sun Prairie East Cardinals, Sun Prairie West Wolves, Marshall Cardinals, and Waterloo Pirates. Well, episode 53, that means we are officially one week into the high school football season and it's tough to not overreact after seeing all those scores <laughs> pile in on week one, so that's exactly what we are not going to do today. We are not going to <laughs> We are not. I, you know what? I take it back. We won't overreact to any loss, but the big wins, I tell you what, you might as well start marking your tickets to state right now <laughs> yeah, with all those right. wins that we got to see. So I guess, Ryan, I have to start with you because you came in here pounding your chest because all four of your teams went undefeated this week. Yeah, busy, busy week for the Waterloo Marshall Courier and in the Sun Prairie Star as well, too, with all those fun recaps. Yeah, I'll start with the game that I was at on Friday because, you know, I was pretty fired up about this matchup, and we talked about it in the preview um, with Marshall hosting Johnson Creek because, you know, despite the Blue Jays being a D7 team, they were a very talented D7 team. A lot of, um, you know, guys up for those WSN senior awards and such, and you know, early on in the game, Johnson Creek was game. I mean, it was um, 16 to 7 early. It looked like we were, or it was 16 to 14 early because, you know, it was uh, score, 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 score. Neither defenses could really find a footing. And, you know, Johnson Creek is just so experienced um, when, it, when it comes to the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Dylan Bredlow and um, Silas Hartz are a couple of guys that have been on, on top of the Trailways Conference for, for a while now. And so, you know, they walked into Marshall pretty confident and, um, you know, the, Marshall, the Cardinals had to break in a new quarterback this year, sophomore Brady Kleinheins, and um, you know, I'd say that he had a pretty welcome debut. He went 6 of 9 for 187 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. I mean, the kid was just ready for the moment, also carried the ball a couple times. I think he picked up uh, some in the 60s yards, just you know, little scrambles to keep things going. Um, obviously, the story of, the, of, the, of this game last year was Modal going nuclear and uh, accounting for 300 yards of offense. Uh, this year is a little bit more dialed back, but he still had 150 yards on the ground and two touchdowns. And so, you know, that Johnson Creek just couldn't keep pace. You know, Marshall, much like they did in, in the previous year's matchup, great defensive adjustments uh, going into the halftime break. Johnson Creek uh, gets a, a couple early scores in the third quarter, nothing in the fourth as Marshall's able to kind of grind things out. 46-28 win for the Cardinals. Um, very strong debut. I, was, I had that one circled because... You know, the narrative goes, freshman quarterback against a, you know, smaller but very experienced team. I was like, things could go south, you know. But Marshall did things the Marshall way. And, you know, one thing that really stood out to me was their size on the offensive and defensive lines. I mean, they're huge once again, and they're going to be able to just road grade teams because they also have the number of large guys to be able to rotate defensively. And so they, you know, just ate them up on both sides of that of the ball in the trenches. And so... Very inspiring win for Marshall. Very fired up about what they can do based on this kind of statement win to start. Yeah, and definitely go check out uh, your Twitter thread uh, with some of the highlights from that game, including I got to see the one where uh, Matthew Moto broke free on it looked like a, a over 60-yard-plus touchdown run yep. where he outran two Johnson Creek defenders. And it was nice for me to see, like, Matthew Moto in action because I know he's been dinged up a couple times. The two times that I've went to see Marshall play, uh, he was injured, and so it was nice to see, like, I on that little Twitter <laughs> highlight, like, ah, this is what Ryan means when, like, they're like, oh, yeah, we've got Matthew Modal. So 
big, big win for the Cardinals. And who do they have next week? Or uh, this week, I should say. Yeah, they play Manawa at Manawa. It's like a two-hour bus ride for them. It's I don't know how they manage to schedule them, but uh, <laughs> you know they're not even taking the fan bus because it's so far and going to be so hot. So it's uh, they're going to be kind of playing fully in enemy territory. But I love what you said about Modal because you know that's the Modal special taking a belly, bouncing a linebacker off of him, and then just being faster than everyone and taking it to the house. It's he's been doing it since he was a sophomore, and I, I love watching him do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of taking fan buses to the game, I feel like Wanaki and DeForest probably didn't have to take a fan bus because they're just no. so close <laughs> right. uh, to each other. But, Peter, you were at Wanaki versus DeForest. Yeah. We, you know, massive rivalry. Just, you know, talk me through that game. Massive rivalry. Place was packed. Uh, you know, I think everybody was kind of hyped for a uh, a close one, and it really didn't turn out to be very close. Uh, Wanaki really came out, and uh, they were ready to rock and and talking to DeForest coach Aaron Mack afterwards, he didn't feel his team was ready to play. And that might have been uh, um, borne out by um, Sullivan Scadden for Wanaki racing 85 yards with the opening kickoff um, in his first varsity play in his first varsity game. And he really showed uh, that he can be one of their really good running backs. They have a three-headed monster there. And he was making moves, and he got into the open, and nobody was catching him. And uh, so he looked good. The the three headed monster in Wanaki's running backfield, you know, backfield, did a lot of damage. Um, they rushed for over three hundred yards as a team. Um, ben Lindley rushed for a couple of scores. Sebastian Rasmussen uh, plunged in from one yard out in the second half. Um, and then the defense. Uh, was really tough. Both teams were uh, getting um, new quarterbacks in and getting them used to uh, action. Um, Vance Johnson from uh, Wanakee looked really comfortable through for uh, one TD to uh, Robert Booker, the, you know, all everything tied in from Wanakee. And then he rushed for like a 27 yard or uh, scramble um, for a TD too. So, I mean, Wanakee led 21 to nothing at the end of the first quarter. By halftime, it was thirty-seven to nothing. Um, there were some highlights for DeForest, and I think there's a, there's stuff to build on there. I, I don't think they're as, as bad as they showed. Um, you know, they again they were uh, you know trying to get a new quarterback used to things, and you know I thought Max Mitchell looked uh, pretty good. He he's got some scrambling ability, um, and then in the second half. Uh, he really started to make use of those tight ends that uh, DeForest has. He um, threw an 80-yarder to uh, Jackson Accordi, um, the big uh, 6'7 tight end, um, that, that uh, where Jackson just kind of leaped over a guy, caught the ball, and kept on running. And then uh, he, he really made a nice uh, touch pass to uh, Tucker Grundall um, over the middle, just kind of lofted it and uh, hit him right in the stride, and Tucker Grundall went 60 yards for the touchdown. Um, defensively, they had a big goal line stand uh, early in the second quarter, which, you know, for the moment, it fired everybody up on the Forest sidelines and kind of gave them hope. But uh, Wanaki just kind of ran away with it. And, uh, you know, the 0-1 Norskis, uh, they'll look to bounce back this Friday. They've got uh, traditional power. Um, Menominee coming to town. Um, Menominee um, just got by Rice Lake last week, 21-12. to um, It was 14-12 to at halftime. So um, maybe maybe DeForest is catching you know a traditional power at the right time. I, I'm not sure. Um, meanwhile, Wanakee will travel to Green Bay, Notre Dame, 
uh, which should be a heck of a game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wish I could go. But uh, um, Notre Dame, uh, Wanakee will have their hands full with that uh, Notre Dame running game. They uh, racked up 407 yards in their opener um, in a 34 or 35-14 win over Pulaski. Christian Collins rushed for 231 yards and three TDs. Braden Davis rushed for 100, uh, 101 yards and 16 rushes. And Ian Bloom scored two TDs. So, um Notre Dame led only 14-7 to at the half, so they really blew it open in the second half. So uh, we'll see. Uh, you know, that will be a good test for Wanakee, uh, which uh, looks like they're just uh, not rebuilding, reloading is, yeah. uh, is always the case with Wanakee. So um, that will be a nice test for them, uh, and we'll see, what, uh, we'll see really how good they are. Yeah, it'll definitely be uh, interesting as both quarterbacks, you know, kind of get some experience yeah. and keep going throughout the season. Uh, so I guess I'll talk with uh, my team that has, you know, had to work in a new quarterback, Austin Anderson, who, who you know, had taken some backup snaps before in the past. Uh, but he gets uh, a win for the Deerfield Demons and a 14-0 win against Dodgeland to start out the year. Uh, so I wasn't at that game, but talking with Coach Swieger about it, you know, the next day, I think first thing that stands out, any team that gets a shutout, you kind of have to know it. And especially with uh, what the work, coach dan goodman has done on that defensive coordinating uh side of the ball has just been you know night and day with the demons you know they really struggled with defense past couple years but uh coach goodman came in last year uh got the defense flowing uh helped bring down their total points per game down a little bit and uh they shined in the first couple of non-conference games last year and they did that again this year so they had a couple turnovers a fumble recovery and an interception and then the offense did just enough Uh, highlighted by an Austin Anderson uh, touchdown run to kind of seal things at the end. And Jackson Drobeck, the senior running back, also scored a touchdown uh, as well too. So, you know, they got the win. Uh, That's always important in, you know, football. If you get the W, that's the big thing. And, you know, the shutout obviously is great to see. So Deerfield gets the 1-0 start. And they get Cambridge, you know, the classic uh, rivalry game that has been a lot of fun for me to cover in the past two years i'm looking forward to it again uh because you know the past two years it's been back and forth basically uh trey colts two years ago ran wild against deerfield uh cambridge won like 62 41 so a lot of points in the past name (laughs) a lot of points in the past yeah absolutely and then uh last year it was uh came down to a a hail mary that almost got caught but then got called back and then another hail mary that was intercepted so i'm excited to see what happens in this game hopefully uh, it's like the first two games. I'm sure the opposing teams that are listening to this are like, oh, man, we just want to be a nice blowout for our team. But <laughs> I love those tight back-and-forth games. It's perfect for a reporter. Yep. Um, I'll get into Cambridge a little bit later in the podcast, though, because I want to toss it over to Ryan because uh, I want to get his thoughts a little bit on some Prairie East versus Monona Grove because it looks like some Prairie East, speaking of what Wanakee does with their reloading, looks like some Prairie East uh, has reloaded as well, too, very nicely. Yeah, talk about the pressure that was on quarterback Drew Kavanaugh on his first start because you're following in the footsteps of Division One quarterback and son of your current head coach, Jerry Kaminsky. Um, you know, those are immense shoes to fill, and Drew Kavanaugh filled them. I mean, six passing touchdowns and one rushing touchdown. Absolutely lit it up as Sun Prairie wins 57-34. to um, You know, that scoreline's going to be a little bit daunting to some folks as far as defensively goes because, you know, East beat Monona Grove 55 to zero last year, whereas now the Silver Eagles get 34 points. But you know, two of those were down the stretch, and 
that game was pretty in hand by the time that Monona Grove started pouring some on, but still gave them a pretty good run there uh, for most of that first half. Um, you know, it, it's it's always such a benefit to have Connor Stoff on a, on a football team. That kid lit it up, 10 receptions, 188 yards, and three touchdowns. I mean, uh, both Kavanaugh and Stoff were top two in the state as far as yardage and touchdowns goes for quarterbacks and receivers in week one. So that says all you need to know about the offense. Uh, Brian Kaminsky can still dial it up, and uh, these kids can still play. Um you know, it, it's always surprising to see the rushing attack not really do much for Sun Prairie East, though, which is, you know, all the props in the world, and I'll let you take over on this Cal to Monona Grove's uh, rush defense because, you know, they don't have a slouch back there. Sam Estrenga, who's a Division One uh, commit as a defensive back, but, you know, still has the athleticism, 17 carries for 75 yards. I mean, mm-hmm. as a whole, compared to what Cortez LeGrant used to do in that offense last year, that that is a bottling up to hold him to about four and a half yards of carry, and obviously punch the ball out for that early score from Monona Grove on the scoop and score. Uh, so Cal, I'll toss it over to you about what the Silver Eagles did well. Yeah, you know that game looked like it could have potentially have been a blowout early. I mean, especially with like the Stranga scoop and score that kind of gave <clears throat> Monona Grove a little bit of life. Uh, also, too, there was a moment where. Uh, Monona Grove sophomore quarterback Cal Moreau <laughs> threw an interception. Uh, I forget who had it, but was running down it was the field. Gavin with, Michi, yeah. yeah, and he got the ball uh, stripped from him at Punched like the five out. yard yep. line. So <laughs> Monona Grove was able to recover it. So you know they had some moments where it looked like you know some Prairie East was just going to walk all over him. I mean, uh, Stoff obviously had a big game. Uh, then also to Cooper White took uh, I believe a slant for a touchdown, and then also too took a uh, like kind of pop pass jet sweep. Yeah. Uh, broke a tackler too for a touchdown. So yeah, the first know. two scores went for sixty-four and sixty-seven yards. So yeah, it's like, oh boy, here <laughs> yeah. goes the Sun East treatment. Yeah, they had some moments where I was like, oh boy, but you know, credit to Monona Grove. Uh, especially, I came away really impressed with uh, Cal Moreau. His first start got to be a brutal one going up against Sun Prairie East, but you know, I thought he had some really nice flashes. Had some moments where you know, a couple turnovers, uh, fumbles, but. You know, he showed some real poise, and I think two moments where it kind of stood out was he also serves as the team's punter. Uh, there was a bad snap on a punt. He was able to go chase it down and then get off a nice punt as well, too. And then also, too, that happened uh, on a snap in the second half where uh, it went over his head. I believe it went over his head, but it was a bad exchange. And he was able to pick it up, kind of avoid a sack, and then throw for a 20-yard completion. So hmm. to be that poised under pressure, I thought, was a big highlight. But also, too, he was able to hit uh, Cal Worth on a couple touchdown passes as well, too. Had a couple nice runs as well, too. He took one in the first half about 60 yards on a read option uh, and then also scored on a rushing touchdown from, like, two yards out. They were able to get a little bit of a run game going with Gavin Habowitz, just still super hard with some Prairie East. But, you know, I think if you're Monona Grove, kind of like what you mentioned a little bit, Pierre, with the Forest, where you've got some building blocks to build on for the next game. Some stuff you got to definitely clean up in the secondary a little bit. Uh, but, you know, I think there's definitely some building blocks, especially where it was last year was a 55 nothing loss, and this year was a little bit closer, where they were kind of getting it into, like, almost two-score territory. Uh, it, you know they kept battling, so give them it's credit. The number four team in D two. Like, yeah, that's a, a pretty good effort from Monona Grove. Yeah, one hundred percent. Don't worry, don't worry, Monona Grove fans. I wasn't like, well, this team you can write them off for the rest of the year. <laughs> I'm excited to see what they do um, against La Follette, uh tonight. It should be. Uh, I expect a bounce back win for the Silver Eagles. Uh, you know, gotta see what Madison Lafollette's got for them, obviously, but. 
you know, we'll see what happens from there, especially when they got Torin Young as well, too, on the sidelines for LaFollette. So I'm interested to see uh, what happens there. But uh, you are going to be at uh, McGuanago, I believe, for that big Sun Prairie East first McGuanago match. Yep, making the trip out. It's, the the options were between that and watching Waterloo beat Riverdale by about a thousand. So I was like, I'm going to go watch the McQuanago game. And you haven't seen some Prairie in action yet, too. Exactly. So to- yeah, totally, have to go watch them. Totally get it. So yeah, that should be um, an exciting time. And speaking of Waterloo, you know, hey, they took down Pekka Argyle, no problem. Yeah, I'll I'll run through this one pretty quick because we don't need to talk much like last year. We don't need to talk much about this one. Uh, Waterloo has played Peck Argyle to start the last three seasons, and they've beaten them a combined 100-12. to 12. Um, It is a... To call it a speed bump would be a disservice to speed bumps. These guys are... They just run through them every year to start their season. I don't know what it is with you with those smaller schools, but you just love throwing... It was Dodgeland last week, and Waterloo then... has, like, three... Or, like, 220 students, and they still ran over them like this. I mean, come on. But, um... Cal Hush does what Cal Hush does, which is just be insanely efficient. 11 for 15, 165 yards and a touchdown. <laughs> Breakout game for sophomore Ben Ugorjian, if that last name sounds familiar. His older brother Rick was their lead back last season. He graduates, and uh, little Ben steps right in and goes 23 for 159 and three touchdowns. Um, you know, this is the Waterloo way. They're just going to destroy their non-con and then get, get a, you know, a lot of confidence uh, rolling for Eastern Suburban play. Uh, Benny Marshall with 83 yards on four catches. That kid is, you know, always going to be a name to watch when it comes to, you know, Waterloo football. And you know, it was never a game. Waterloo was up 14 to zero at, at after the first quarter and got a safety to be up 16-6 at half and poured it on the rest of the way. It's um, not too much to say. It was expected out of Waterloo. I expected them to go handle business, and they uh, went and handled business. And now it's on to a home Riverdale game, and then. The first real test comes with Marcus Ann the week to follow. Yeah, that will be an exciting game to kind of get a little bit more in-depth about. Because obviously those blowouts sometimes just, oh, (laughs) that's what happens. But uh, speaking of blowouts, uh, I think on this one, though, you have to give a little bit more credit for the Blue Devils, though, on this one. They went into Martin Luther, and they handled business, Peter. They took care of them uh, pretty easily. Um, Shutout win, I believe it was 38 nothing. I didn't write it down, but I think that's what it was. Um, The defense was uh, the big story. They allowed only 114 rushing yards and only five passing yards. Um, Coach David Poles said uh, there were multiple tackles for loss. They put really good pressure on the quarterback. Uh, Probably the player of the game, uh, maybe, was uh, Kyler Clements. Um, on both sides of the ball, he had seven tackles and carried the ball 13 times for 120 yards. So um, strong game there. Paxton Krugman had an interception. Um, but, you know, we've talked a lot about uh, teams uh, with new quarterbacks. Uh, Lodi has no worries as far as yeah, that's right. concerned. <laughs> they got Mason Lane, and he had a typical Mason Lane night, uh, 123 rushing yards and 130 yards throwing. Um, Gavin Sargent, uh, the uh, triple jump state champ, had a big game catching uh, six passes for 45 yards. Um, evidently, Jason Kalinski had a nice uh, touchdown catch um, from Mason Lane, who had a crazy scramble and got the ball to him. So I'd, I'd love to see the highlight of that play, but I haven't seen it on Twitter. But uh, um, David Poles said the offensive line really had a, a great game. They were opening holes all night for uh, everybody. So they really looked impressive, and uh, they are looking like they are going to 
you know, be a challenge uh, in that capital uh, conference. Um, you know, everybody knows about Columbus, but man, don't sleep on Lodi. They're they're loaded, um, and they get uh, Cal's team next week, uh, McFarland, who um, had a tough go of it. Uh, but Coach Poles isn't overlooking them. Uh, he says they're always dangerous, and it's not indicative of how much talent they have. He says. So uh, he knows they're going to be ready to come into Lodi and look to turn their season around. But uh, I'll let uh, Cal talk more about McFarland. <laughs> yeah, the, the friendly folk of McFarland will definitely appreciate Coach Poles' kind yeah. words about the team. And, yeah, you definitely can't sleep on them, especially a Paul Ackley-led McFarland Spartans team. You know they're definitely going to look to bounce back. From a tough loss against Mount Horeb, I tell you what, I came away from this game really, really impressed with Mount Horeb. Uh, size up front, uh, great senior quarterback, Casey Helgeson, who threw some really nice passes uh, to some wide receivers, who also made some nice catches as well, too. I believe it was Chris Keel maybe had a one-handed catch in the back of the end zone, just kind of plucked it out the air uh, and was able to get that toe tap. I believe Nate Burleson calls it some toe drag swag as well too so just a nice fluid uh catch there um and then also too they have a nice running back as well too trenton owens both those guys up for senior awards and uh no re- no surprise why after seeing them you know play on friday night so you know a great job by mount horeb that's a team that i would definitely put like i would pencil in for a deep playoff run would potentially even bet my house on uh, on a deep playoff run like that. Don't uh, go betting for... your house again. You already lost it last year. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Good point. I'll put up my roommate's annoying dog. How about that? We'll do that. Um, anyway, but, you know, I expect McFarland to bounce back. Obviously, a really tough non-conference schedule with having to go from Mount Horeb to Lodi. A lot of kids still learning varsity experience. Uh, when I kind of saw from Mount Horeb, you know, they struggled with some misassignments, had some guys running open. And also, too, uh, tackling was kind of an issue as well, too. Had some guys trying to go high. Probably should have went low on a couple of those guys. But, you know, that's part that you have to learn how to play varsity football. And that's what, you know, Paul Ackley talked about afterwards. It's just, you know, he's going to stay positive with those kids. They're going to learn, get a little bit better. And like I was joking with Peter before coming in on this podcast, I've went and seen them now three years in a row to start off the fall. They've gotten blown out in each every one that I have seen, and they found a way to make the playoffs. So, like Paul Ackley said as well, too, we've got eight weeks left to correct all our mistakes, and so plenty of time for them as well, too. But, yeah, tough, tough one to go from Mount Horup to Lodi. But, you know, hey, you never know you never know what will happen. So That's true. have yeah. to see what happens. But also, too, Peter, I want to get your thoughts, though, on Poinette's game as well, too. Yeah, Poinette uh, got the year started uh, tough tough start they had to travel to cambria friesland uh cambria friesland didn't have much trouble with them i believe the score was 34 to 6 i don't know why i keep forgetting to write down the scores of these games <laughs> but that's what sticks in my head uh anyways um yeah i mean cambria friesland i think they were 12 and 1 last year i mean you know champions of their conference and point out was 2 and 7 last year and lost you know their starting quarterback so you know, a tough ask for them to go into Cambria Friesland and, and get a win. But hopefully, the, you know, they showed uh, some things uh, that, you know, can serve them well, like building blocks like you talked about. I know Jackson Geithner had a great game for Poinette on defense. Uh, the defense alignment had 19 tackles. So oh. um, so that's uh, that's quite a game. <laughs> um, that really stood out. So, 
So uh, it, it'll be interesting. And Ashton Meister is their quarterback this year. Um, he did throw a long uh, touchdown pass in the win. So um, those are some things to build on. They uh, host Partyville, uh, who opened the season by beating Marcusan. Uh, 42 to 20. Um, again, another. <laughs> all my teams next week are facing tough running games. Uh, Pointette's got to go up against a team that rushed for 405 yards last week. Another uh, three-headed monster. Um, Logan Young had 208 yards and three TDs for Partyville last week. Ashton Whitehorse uh, totaled 133 yards and a score, and Jameson Wickersham had two TDs. Um, they did allow 234 yards uh, of rushing to uh, Marcus Anno, so maybe Poignant can get something going on the ground. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, another uh, team that's, uh, you know, got to face a tough running a three-headed monster at, mm-hmm. at running back. And uh, uh, it's hopefully Jackson Geithner will, you know, he might rack up a – 25 tackles next week <laughs> but uh we'll see uh so hopefully point at uh, can kind of keep building as the season goes on yeah absolutely but uh ryan as i almost forgot to talk about that fourth team that got a win for you the sun prairie west wolves taking care of business in madison you got to see that game you got to get some highlights as well too so yeah just kind of what happened in that one before I get to that, I did a little research on Waterloo's next opponent, Riverdale. The last time they had a winning season, I was eight. Okay, getting into Sun Prairie West. <laughs> um, you know, this was a real benchmark game for them because obviously when they played them last year, it was their first game ever. And so, you know, didn't know, really know what to expect, and they had to hold off a really late comeback attempt to get their first win in program history. And so I was really looking at this um, – this matchup as kind of a a measuring stick of how far they had come, and I was pretty concerned about that in the first quarter as it ended zero to zero. Um, Sun Prairie West defense was dominating them, but the offense went uh, punt, punt, fumble, punt, just which you shouldn't be doing against Madison East if you are a Sun Prairie school. That's just not something you should be doing. But not a recipe for success. I got you. No, <laughs> uh, the, the first touchdown of the year actually was uh, Madison East forgetting to cover West's number one receiver on the right side. And so Brady Rhodes, their quarterback, just quick snapped it and threw it to him, and he scored. Mm. <laughs> That's how the season starts. I was like, it doesn't get much easier than that. But um, Ian Ackley, probably one of the best athletes in the Madison area, kind of takes the game over from there. He has a scoop and score fumble return, uh, forced by Corbin Smith, their new starting linebacker, that they're very excited about. Ackley takes it back for about 14 yards to score. I mean, they were deep in Madison West territory. Next next uh, possession, he takes a counter 23 yards on offense and scores it. And so he just kind of puts the game away right there. Madison East could hardly move the ball against them. West defense, you know, that's head coach Josh O'Connor's forte. He's a defensive guy through and through. And it shows with how the, how the Wolves play defense. They really just mauled them. I mean, East could hardly move the ball on them at all. But... Took the offense some time to get cooking, but you know they eventually figured it out. Keon Coppinen, their new senior running back, had a nice debut. He's very shifty and is also able to run through some guys and really impressed me with his performance in that game. Um, I forget how much he rushed for. It was like some in the 80s, but he scored two punch-in touchdowns, and he's about 5'6", if, if he's in his shoes. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he's able to you know ram it in there was a good sign for them and, you know, uh, Madison East one touchdown was off a of pick six, so it says a lot about the de- the defense pitched a shutout. The offense did not. So um, overall, a great showing. You know that's that's not a game uh, that Sun Prairie West was incapable of putting on a hurting like that last season. 
Uh, I, like I said in my story, this is their largest margin of victory in school history. It was 43 to 7. So, you know, an inspiring step in the right direction. And you know, I expect similar things when they play Mass and West this coming week. But then uh, things get uh, a little bit more dicey with the schedule uh, following that, obviously, as they get into uh, Badger-Large play. But, you know, an- another measuring stick game this coming week when, you know, they beat Mass and West a little bit more handily than East last year. So we'll see if that continues. But then, you know, a, a winnable game against Watertown and then a trip to Milton to really see how far they've come uh, is, is how the next three weeks look. So it's um, a big grow-up time for Sun Prairie West and a big prove-it time you know, at, at least to me to see, you know, how year one stacks up to year two and kind of the growth that they've they've experienced because, you know, Milton kind of put a hurting on them last year. And so now I consider them to be programs on kind of a not level playing field, but in the same realm. So, you know, it's interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, absolutely. And then I'll touch on Cambridge real quick. Oh, sorry. I uh, left yeah, you no time yeah, for no, the Blue Jays. All, all good. All good. Uh, but the Blue, I'll be able to talk about them next week because they'll be facing Deerfield, so I'm sure that'll be a wild game. But yeah, uh, Cambridge, uh, they got to debut a new scoreboard. Unfortunately, they didn't get to use it though, as much, though, as they probably wanted to. Uh, new Glarus and like Cam- me. Yeah, New Glarus and Cambridge didn't put up a whole lot of points. Uh, I kind of thought it'd be a little bit more of an offensive showdown with two quarterbacks both returning, uh, but back. But Max Marty was able to get a couple touchdowns in the second half to put New Glarus ahead for good. Cambridge struggled a little bit with cramping issues, so especially with the warm weather this week, I'm interested to see how they bounce back from that. But uh, they were able to get the run game going a little bit for Cambridge, so. Uh, you know, with all the stuff that they talked about with Coach Nellis, uh, with all the stuff that they've incorporated, I'm excited to see that new run game when I go see them in Deerfield. And also, too, you know, to kind of see how that affects the passing attack. And I want to see, you know, how Matt Buckman is able to bounce back. Kind of a quiet night for him, but he did score a rushing touchdown as well, too. So I kind of want to see, you know, how this new offense looks. So I'm excited for it, and we're excited for week two. And that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Cap City Sportscast for my colleagues Ryan Peter. I am Callahan Seed. We will see you next time. Thank you.